This is the message from Connection Community Church for this Sunday, January 20th, 2013. Nehemiah, Lessons in Godly Leadership, Building a Team. Good morning, Connection Church. My name is Carrie Jones. I'm Alan Jones. And we are two sinners who have been saved by the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Would you pray with us, please? God, thank you for today. A day when you knew that we would have baptisms of babies and children and young people and adults to make their commitment to you. A day that you knew that people would be sitting right here learning about Nehemiah. God, stir in our heart. I pray that we would be changed and transformed by your love. And I pray this in the name of Jesus and by the power of the Holy Spirit. And all of Connection Church said, Amen. So as we shared last week, Nehemiah was a Jew living in Babylon in the mid-5th century B.C. His brother and some friends returned from Jerusalem and shared that the city walls and gates had been destroyed. Feeling called by God, Nehemiah prayed, and then after some more time in prayer, he approached his boss, the king, asking for permission to go to Jerusalem to rebuild where his ancestors were buried. The king not only agreed, but gave him letters to the governors along the way for safe passage, a letter to the keeper of the king's forest for uh, wood, whatever wood Nehemiah might need, and some military protection during the trip. Here's an interesting side note. When God called Nehemiah to this task, just because the king supported it and made a way for him, it doesn't mean that everybody was happy about this. You see, there were some officials, we're told, in the second chapter, verse 10, kind of odd names. Their names are Sambalat the Horonite and Tobiah the Ammonite. They weren't so thrilled about this man coming to help the people of Israel. Well, that's true for us as well. There are times when we are called to a particular task by God and some people around us aren't saying yay. Some people around us may um, not be jumping for joy, but we can't let that dissuade us when God calls us. Mm. And so we continue with Nehemiah on his journey. Here's what he tells us. He says, I went to Jerusalem, and after staying there three days, I set out during the night with a few others. I had not told anyone what my God had put in my heart to do for Jerusalem. There were no mounts with me except the one I was riding on. And so Nehemiah journeyed to Jerusalem in order to survey the situation. Up to this point, all he had was the report of his brother and some friends on what the situation was, and he needed to check it out for himself. He had to get this first-hand look. Now, we're told that um, he waited three days before he left. Three days, we're not really sure what that's about, what he did in those three days. Um, We're not told what he is doing, but we're suggesting that one of the things he was doing was probably resting, resting up. You see, the distance between Babylon and Jerusalem, 1,000 miles. 1,000 miles, and there were no 
cars, trains, planes at that point, so he had to go either by foot or by animal, 1,000 miles. And so he just might have been resting. In addition to resting, when Nehemiah got to Jerusalem and then waited three days before he did anything, possibly maybe he was in prayer. Now, it doesn't tell us that scripture. This is totally our speculation. But if we consider uh, what we've seen already of Nehemiah's character, then prayer, and that prayer is at the very center of all that he does, then it would make all the sense in the world that while he's physically resting and preparing for what's next, that he would be spiritually preparing for this project as well. And so there he was after three days, and he went out. He went out in the night with a few others. We don't know who they are, but we do know that it's night. And we do know that at this point, Nehemiah had not told anyone what God had put on his heart. And so here we have it that Nehemiah is kind of on the down low. He's just sort of under the radar checking things out. Mm -hmm. Nehemiah explored the situation. He checked out the walls that had been broken down and the various gates that had been destroyed by fire. He shared the officials there did not know where he had gone or what he was doing because up to this point, he had said nothing to the Jews, the priests, the nobles, officials, or anyone else who would be helping to rebuild these walls. In other words, they knew nothing of what he was about or what he had planned. Lesson number one of godly leadership lessons from the book of Nehemiah. Know the situation before you build the team. That's what Nehemiah did. He checked things out. We have to know the situation to be in a better position to know what the team needs to look like, how many people, what gifts and talents are needed, what it's going to take. And so by quietly checking out this situation ahead of time, Nehemiah was in a position of knowing where things stood and knowing what was needed. Mm. Here's what we see next. Nehemiah shares this. Then I said to them, You see the trouble we are in. <clears throat> Jerusalem lies in ruins, and its gates have been burned with fire. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem, and we will no longer be in disgrace. I also told them about the gracious hand of my God on me and what the king had said to me. And they replied, let us start rebuilding. And so they began this good work. What's very interesting and pretty amazing is that this is the first that the officials knew about what Nehemiah had planned. They weren't the ones who went on this midnight tour with him. So in just a simple statement, Nehemiah crystallized the problem and offered a solution. He shared that God was with him, that the king supported him. But the really cool thing is that without hesitation or question, so many others were ready to get started on the project with him. Amazing. I find it really interesting. Actually, I find it amazing how God... Uh, brings God's vision to God's people. Typically, God uses someone to cast the vision, to share it to, to those that he wants that vision cast to. 
But the, here's the thing. Before that happens, I believe God plants that vision in the deep recesses of the souls of those who catch the vision when it's cast. Even though the vision is new, they're not familiar with it before, just like in his case, he hadn't told them what was going on. But I think God had kind of prepped the soil without them even realizing it. It's like uh, subconsciously God has put that seed inside the soul, inside the heart, so that then when that uh, vision caster shares the vision, it's like a catalyst for something that's already there, unbeknownst to them, that just like catches fire. Isn't that amazing? I think it's just the coolest thing. Little history lesson now. When God gave Alan and I the vision of Connection Community Church, God didn't just share it with us. God, in creative ways, shared it with uh, the district superintendent. That's a pastor who oversees a lot of churches in the area. God touched the heart of the bishop who oversees all the district superintendents and the pastors in this area. God had already prompted the heart of Pastor Paul Owens at Cornerstone Church and that leadership team that there was something new that needed to bubble up. And so when it was spoken, it was like started resonating across the board. And then Alan and I were invited this is a very, very bold thing. We were invited to join the Cornerstone staff. It was supposed to be for a year, but God worked so quick that it was just for six months so that Connection Church was born. Um, is there anybody here that was on that original team? Bruce. Yeah. Yeah. Tom was on the leadership team at Cornerstone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The really cool thing is that, you know, it was just 14 families. Mm-hmm. 14 families. But when we shared that vision, God had already planted the seed. Already. For you planted to say, here I am, Lord. That's how God worked. That's how God worked with the 252 launch. Like eight years ago, Catherine Burke, who's a leader in this church, said, Carrie, there's a new way of doing ministry for children. we got to look at that. And we did some, but it just wasn't time. And then four years ago, Cindy and Al and Maribeth Wachowski from the very church of the place where the ministry was taking place arrived here and made this church their home and said, Carrie, we have this idea for new ministry. And we're like... Well, we know, we know. So then the rest of the team was called to make that happen. That's how a vision happens. There's a really cool vision that is fermenting right now. Pat Berlin, who goes to the 830 service, she says, Carrie, Alan, Lori, I have this new idea for a ministry. It's called Operation Christmas Child. We're (laughs) like, we know. Our niece... In Rhode Island was one of the missionaries who went to Mongolia last year delivering the boxes, the shoe boxes. We already know about the ministry. We're excited. And so we're going to adopt. I mean, it's already been cast. The vision's cast. It's already kind of fermenting. That's how a vision works. Lesson number two. If it's truly a vision from God... God will prepare a team 
to catch a vision. Now, you notice I said if it's truly a vision, because sometimes people speak something and it doesn't fall quite right. Well, it just might not be God's timing. Or it might just be on that person and it needs to be done somewhere else. But God will prepare the hearts of a team to catch that vision. We come to chapter 3 in Nehemiah. And in that chapter, we jump right into Nehemiah telling us in detail who was working on repairing which gate and which section of the wall. It's always interesting when we read Scripture, what's said and what's not said, what's shared and what's not shared. Nehemiah doesn't tell us if he assigned the work of the workers volunteered for the particular section or contribution. It must not be important. He doesn't tell us what gifts those particular workers had that suited them for that particular section they were working on. It must not be important. What is important is he gives us a point-by-point breakdown of which group was working on which section and which group was working on which gate and who was overseeing the work of which group. Let me give you a little example. This is Now, some of them are a little longer. I picked one that's kind of concise. Nehemiah 3.13. The valley gate was repaired by Hanan and the residents of Zanoa. They rebuilt it and put its doors with their bolts and bars in place. They also repaired a thousand cubits of the wall as far as the dung gate. You can only imagine what that gate was used for. Okay. Um, so that we have several parag- several sections in this chapter of Nehemiah just over telling you which section of the law, which group of people, priests, what, you know, whatever the group is, and who was leading them in that particular uh, repair project for that particular part of the larger project. And, and what we get to see is how many groups and how many people it took to do this great, this bigger work. It wasn't one or two people, but an, uh, an army, so to speak, all doing their jobs. It was a huge task. In fact, some sources say that the um, area was like 1.5 square miles, and so it wasn't a task that just Nehemiah could take care of or just a handful of people. It had to be lots and lots of people to work on this project. And so there were leaders who were led by Nehemiah, and Nehemiah was guided by God. All this to repair sections of the wall. You know, this um, this vision that Nehemiah had was, was more than just rebuilding a wall. I know it says he's rebuilding the wall, but if we go back to the scripture we read earlier. It's interesting something that we it's easy to, to go over quickly if you don't pay attention if we don't pay attention. Nehemiah two seventeen to eighteen. And then I said to them, You see the trouble we're in Jerusalem lies in ruins and its gates have been burned with fire. Come let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem and we will no longer be in disgrace. You see what's going on here? It's more than just rebuilding a wall. God is using Nehemiah to rebuild the people of Jerusalem. This wall, this broken wall, we can see as a metaphor for the broken spirits of God's people. These burned out gates, a metaphor for the burnout that they're feeling. The, the, the exile was many, I mean, not a couple, it was I think 150 years before this final return. And yet the people are still feeling as broken as the walls of their city because of this great 
defeat at the hands of Babylon and, and what has happened since. And so this task of rebuilding the wall through that, God gives them a common goal, a quest that brings new life. And unity to these people. You know, we read in Proverbs twenty nine eighteen, where there is no vision, the people perish. Can you share that lesson number three with me? Uh, working together on God's vision brings new life to people. Amen. New Amen. life. Throughout the Bible, we see where leaders build teams to be the to do the work of God. And that's exactly what Jesus did. Jesus built a team. We know them as the disciples and, and there are others, but what Jesus did as leader is poured himself into that team. He instructed them, he prayed for them, he guided them, he mentored them. And his team took that message into the world and here we are. They didn't it just didn't stop with Christ, but it was the team that was built. So lesson number four. Leaders pour themselves into those they lead. And so you and I are also part of that team, the Jesus team. And just as Nehemiah had those who rebuilt the gates and rebuilt the walls, and others who oversaw the work, you know, some of us are called to, to be workers, some uh, overseers, some organizers. You know, we all got different, different tasks. Earlier in the service, I was looking at this building a team house like scratched on there, I thought, boy, that's a cool font. I, I wonder, I have no idea where I would go to get that. I think, I, I sometimes wish I knew as much about computers as Barry, you know, because he just knows all that. And then I realized, I don't need to know as much as, all I need to do, all I need is to know Barry. <laughs> right? And see, he gets to spend all the time finding, and then I get to appreciate it and have it up here, Right? Because we get to work together. I get to do what I'm gifted for, and he gets to do what he's gifted for. I keep waiting for the gift to be a lead singer here. I'm starting to think time's running out, Carrie. I don't know. It's like, and, I, and when I just say that, this deep, quiet voice says, Alan, if you spent all the time you think about being a lead singer on the gifts I've already given you, you wouldn't have any time left to even think about that. You know, we're supposed to use the gifts God gives us, right? God gives all of us gifts. He's given us all a place. He's given us a where we're supposed to fit into this team. And our challenge is to figure it out and to be happy with where it is. You know, we can't all be leaders. We can't all be followers. We can't all be... You know, just like that earlier, the example, can't all be quarterbacks. We Some are blockers, some are kickers, some are receivers that... Everybody has a place, and the challenge is to figure out your place and to celebrate it because no place is any more important than another. Now, it takes many people to make the team, and each one has a place, a role, a job. The Jerusalem Wall was built in 52 days. 52 days? That's less than two months. It's a huge project without any modern machinery. And it was did that because the people knew their place, did what God called them to do, used the gifts God had given them to use, and listened to God, the leader God had put in place, Nehemiah and the ones he put in place, to carry out God's call on God's people. Amen? Amen. So God does have a call. God does have a plan for each one of you. You weren't 
You were created for a purpose and a plan for God. And so the question is, what is that? What is the purpose? What is the plan? What team are you a part of? Where is God calling you to jump in? It might be a leadership position, and we need to remember the godly leadership uh, lessons that we can learn from Nehemiah and most certainly from Jesus, or it might be to be a part of a team. But everybody has a purpose on God's team. We hope that you realize what that is and that you speak to us or to Lori about that because every one of you has some kind of call on your life to be a part of a team. There are lots of things right here at Connection that you could be a part of, plus out in the world. Really cool thing happened today, and y'all experienced it. It's kind of like a historical moment. You know, when um, the, the team here did lead me to the water, and we were ministered to through that? Stephanie wrote that. She shared that with me months ago, like before Christmas, well before Christmas, and it just kind of fermented in my heart. And I'm thinking, wow, that's like baptism stuff, baptism stuff. And then it was like this thing bubbled up, and then she brought a team in who helped arrange that whole piece. It just wasn't like, here's the music, sing it and do it. It was a collaboration of a team. And then we could worship and experience God through that. You know, there's a lot of different ways God's called us. For her, it's a songwriter. For you, it might be uh, doing admin in 252 or serving in the nursery. I don't know what it is. But spend some time with God to pray about that. On your knees up here during our last song, in your seats, if you want to talk to somebody, there are people back in the back who would love to help get you connected to a team so that you can realize that purpose and plan that God has in your life. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Almighty God, thank you for the opportunities that each one of us has. There are so many unsung heroes who aren't up front, who nobody knows about, who are part of a team, and then there are others who are um, leading. Help us lead in a godly way. Help us learn from Nehemiah and to model our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ as leaders here in the church, in our homes, in the workplace, in school, wherever you place us, Lord. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' name and by the power of the Holy Spirit and all of Connection Church said, amen. Thank you for joining us for our podcast. For more information about Connection Community Church in Middletown, Delaware, please visit our website at www.connectioncc.org. You can also call our church offices at 302-378-7692. Connection Community Church, connecting people with Jesus and the life that he offers. Thank you.